Good morning. As we're in week number four of this series, uh, I quit. Um, there are some things that I have a tendency, my personality type, just the way I am wired and maybe just the deficiencies that I have experienced in my life. There are some things that I have a tendency to do. And one of those, I just say some pretty horrible things to myself. I don't necessarily say them out loud, although every once in a while I do. But usually it's one my conversation that's going on inside of my head. Um, and I just kind of have a running conversation going on with myself. Most of us do, but my, the things that I say to myself, well, they're pretty, they're pretty horrible. Sometimes I do all the work for the evil one. And I say all the horrible things to myself. They don't even have to be from him tearing me down because I tear myself down so frequently. And often that comes because I'm like comparing myself to the people around me. Um, and so I, as I do that, then, you know, I, I look at some, some really successful people, some very talented, extremely talented people, people who are smarter than me. That doesn't take much. But people who are just just great, gifted, talented people. And then I look at myself and I fail miserably in comparison when I look at myself. Here's what I say to myself. I say to myself, why, why can't I be like that? Um, I say, Harley, you're, you're a dork. <laughs> you're worthless. Um, I, I say things like that. You know, you always have been. I, I've known it all along. And you always will be. Um, something inside of me, I don't know if you can relate to this, but something inside of me wants to know that I'm good enough. That I'm, I'm not necessarily pretty enough, which is what's in my notes, but that I'm, that, I, that I'm okay, I'm acceptable, that I'm smart enough. There's something inside of me, and perhaps you can relate to that. You know, Harley, I think we all have this, this unquenchable desire to be told, or at least to feel accepted, to, to feel like we are enough, to feel, for, for lack of a better term, just to feel loved. Um, so what we do because of that desire, we do compare. And if we're not careful, what we end up doing is we get caught in this comparison trap. And it's definitely a trap. And you know what this looks like. Uh, when we see something someone else has or a situation they're in, and we compare it to ourselves. And it, it may look like um, we see someone else's possessions um, and maybe their car or their, their house or, or the clothes they wear or even the salary that they make. Or maybe for you, it's just an appearance thing. Maybe you compare yourself to others in their appearance. And um, their hair, Harley, I compare myself to Harry, Harley often in that category. Um, I compare myself to, to Donnie's weight. It's so <laughs> difficult to endure this. I want to make a comment, though, about salary very quickly. When I was growing up, uh, pro I was probably about four three, four years old when I realized my dad was paid a salary right. and it was devastating because I was like, how are we going to live on salad? And <laughs> I had, <laughs> I, didn't, I suddenly realized the gravity of the situation. He, I mean, he was a pastor, right? So salad anyway. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, we do compare whether it's body shape, um, you know, for men, maybe, you know, how muscular or masculine they are. 
or it might even be performance, how well someone does their job, how well of a husband or a wife they are, or how well of a mom or dad they are. Or it may even be a circumstance. It may not be any of those things, just a circumstance. You look at someone and they have what you consider the perfect life, 2.5 kids. I'm not sure how they work that out. But, um, you know, and they're just happily married, and we might compare ourselves to them. Um, See, the thing is, is we know what happens when we do this, and we get caught up in this comparison trap. One of two things happens, depending on where you measure up, so to speak. If we're closer to the top, what happens is we become prideful, and, and pride, you know, kind of boils up inside of us, and we say things, or we might not say them, but we at least thank them. You know, I am in a better situation than them. Or, uh, you know, I am better in some sense than that person. And the pride starts to take us over. Or if you don't measure up so well, you don't measure up to that person, then contentment goes out the window. And, and we may have been completely okay with our situation or our possessions or whatever until we compared. But then it doesn't look so good. And after contentment goes out the window, then we become resentful. And resentfulness, it says this, Harley, it says, I, I don't have what they have, or I don't have those abilities that they have, so life is not fair. Yeah. If we're living our lives in comparison to others, then we're constantly living a life of just guessing, um, a life of never really knowing, because when we compare to someone else, that is not us. It's a life mostly of losing. When we compare, we mostly lose because we never win at comparison. We're working toward their dream, not ours. We're seeing only their strengths and not our personal unique gifting. Right. And if we're going to quit something in this, this I, I Quit series, let's quit comparing ourselves to others. You know, as we dive into God's Word here this morning, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. And the, the Jewish people here in Nehemiah, they had largely been born and raised in captivity or at best without a temple. Uh, the temple had been destroyed. So... Um, no presence of God. So they, they had been immersed in the Babylonian culture for like 70 years, a culture that, that compared, a culture that come out on top a lot of times in, in this comparison game, a culture of excess and a culture that, you know, pretty much ruled the world. And now 90 years that they had struggled to get back together in Jerusalem, get things back going, largely they had been living in the dark, and not just because they didn't have electricity, but because they were without God's Word. Um, so they were kind of guessing on what to do, how to do it, how to live, um, guessing God's thoughts. And we always get something wrong when we're trying to guess, you know, what God's thinking. They'd been living this guessing game based on what they thought about God, and 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 living, comparing themselves to others. And suddenly they have this new standard that wasn't actually new. It was actually the old standard, but it was new to them. They had only never really heard about it much and, and may have never heard it actually read in person. 
So in Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to pick up in verse 1. The verses will be on the screen here. It says, All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men, the women, and all the children old enough to understand. And Harley, I find it kind of interesting right now. Even back as far as the Old Testament, you know, we have argument for you know, children's ministry. I mean, just out of real practical sense, the, all, the, all the people that were old enough to understand were assembled together in one place. Yeah, and that's, just, and that's one reason why it's so important for us to have a children's ministry, because we understand that if a child is in here listening to the way we present truth out of God's Word, that child is not learning. We, ho- we would hope all they're learning to do is to, to be quiet and not get in the way, right? Because that's what we're trying to get them to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of learning on their level that God's word even means something to them at their age, and that's what they're doing, and even in first look and over here in right. uh, 252. I just, when I read that, I found that yeah. rather interesting. So he faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon. So check this out. For seven hours, sometimes, get this, sometimes, I'm not going to say any names, but somebody goes a little long, and we struggle to get out of here on time. And That's you might why be we sitting don't see here, coal up here very often. Right. You might right. be sitting here, and your stomach's growling, and you're, you're thinking about lunch, but just remember in those times, seven hours he stood up here. And he read aloud to everyone that could understand. And they were standing right, as right. well. Everyone was standing seven, seven hours, hours. Seven hours. See, we, we, we let you sit. And uh, so we let you sleep. Right. <laughs> it does not get better than that. <laughs> but it says, all the people listen closely to the book of the law, Harley. And it's just amazing to me for seven hours. Seven hours. Mm, we're going to try to beat that today. <laughs> Just today. <laughs> Just today. We're going to work on that. We're not going to go seven hours. But here's what was happening. Perhaps we can find a way to quit comparing ourselves to other people because that's our tendency. If we could just quit comparing, and by we, I'm including myself in that, to quit comparing ourselves to other people and instead perhaps we can just compare ourselves to Scripture. Because that's a much better way to do it. And one of the most sacred passages to the Jewish, the Israelite people, is one I'm going to read to you right now. And it's, it's almost certain that this is one of the passages that they read that day. It is almost certain. I mean, they had seven hours. So they, <laughs> they covered could a lot have of ground. Yeah. But this is, it's almost certain because this, is, this passage is so sacred to them. Here it is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So just imagine the people standing for hours and hours, but this is one of the passages that they hear aloud, most of them hearing for the first time, read aloud directly from a scroll. This is what it said. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Verse 5 says this. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Verse 7. 
repeat them again and again to your children and talk to them when you're at home and when you're uh, on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up, verse 8. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders, verse 9. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. He's saying, love God with everything about you. And if you'll do that, it's going to bring you in your life a kind of contentment. A contentment with who you are. A contentment with who God has created you to become. With a contentment with what God has created you to do. No matter the circumstance you may find yourself in, a contentment. See, when we compare ourselves to others, we are not content. But if we could just simply look into God's word, I believe it will bring a contentment that comparison to another person will never, ever, ever bring in our lives. Paul was uh, sure of what God had created him to do. He was sure of who he was in Christ. And this contentment for Paul was not related to anything that other people were doing or any circumstance that he might find himself in. In fact, from prison, listen to what he wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, Paul wrote, for I have learned how to become content with whatever I have. But you know, as we begin to compare ourselves to other people, we are not so content any longer. Verse 12, he says, I know, he says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. In other words, he has experienced some very, very lows and some very good highs. And he says, but I've learned how to be content no matter. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, he writes, whether it is a full stomach or empty. With plenty, he said, or little. And then listen, I don't know if I have this in the script, but listen, the very next verse, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, you'll, you'll listen. So this is in the context of being content with God and what he is doing and has done in your life and how he has created you. Listen to this. Verse 13 says this. He says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. All things. No matter what's going on, I can find a way to be content in all things. Now listen to verse 5. Let's jump back into Nehemiah. Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they rose to their feet. This was tradition. They rose to their feet. And this would be a first time for many of these people, if not all. Verse 6, then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, amen, amen, as they lifted their hands. Then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And now verse 7 tells us that the Levites come out and they instruct the people. These are, these are the priests. They come out and they instruct the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. So they read the law, they read from the word, everybody stood up, and then it was tradition for them to sit down and be instructed. A little team teaching. A little team teaching here. They tag team taught, and they instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. Verse 8, 
they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, because here something happened. They all began to weep, to cry with remorse. Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this, they tell the people. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. For you and for me. We are not what we feel when we compare ourselves to others. We may feel it, but that is not what we are. You and I, we are, we are what we are when we compare ourselves to God's word and what he says about us. And I want to read you something from the New Testament about what God says about you and what he says about me in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Let me read you the bottom line this morning. And I do say read because it's a doozy. <laughs> it's a long one. It's, it's nearly a book. The bottom line this morning says this. Your success has nothing to do with being less than or greater than others. But simply being who God created you to be. Not who you wish you were like. Donnie? All right, Nehemiah, he continues in verse 10. It says, Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with pe people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Do not be dejected or sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The emphasis here on this passage after they were weeping, the emphasis was on God's grace. Although they had sinned, they had messed up, they had fallen way short, not fulfilled the law, God was celebrating with them, wanted them to celebrate because he is a gracious, sovereign God who he does not treat us, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities, as Psalms tells us. Their, their self-worth, it came from God's grace, as ours does also. And in verse 11, the passage, it continues, And the Levites, too, quieting the people, telling them, Hush, don't weep, for this is a sacred day. So the people went away to drink at a festive meal and to share gifts of food. And to celebrate with great joy because they had heard God's word and understood them. They had heard God's word and they understood. They, they went away to celebrate not just because Ezra had told them, um, but because now they understood God's word. And, and when we really understand God's word, 
and what he wants from us, what he wants for us, it, it does bring us great joy. Verse 13, listen, it says, On October 9th, the family leaders of all the people gathered together with the priests and the Levites, met with Ezra the scribe too, to go over the law in greater detail. You know, they were not just content with this casual, this basic understanding of, the, of God's Word. They wanted to go deeper, so what did they do? They broke up into small groups. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty I much what that. they do. Um, just a little plug for small groups there. But seriously, they, they broke up into these groups, and they dove deep into God's Word. And, you know, as much as we try to be clear up here on Sunday morning, there are still times that, that we can be misunderstood, that we can be misinterpreted, because a casual understanding, it can lead to a misunderstanding, to a misquoting, or to even missing the most important part. And when we go deeper into God's Word, you understand more about yourself, you understand more about God and how He views you. Um, so, and I believe this, this unquenchable desire that we talked about in th- this morning in the beginning of the message to be accepted, to feel it like we're enough, it, it actually is God-given. And He's the one that put it there, but He's the only one that can really feel it. And I think the Jewish people on this day, they, they were able to satisfy that desire that only God can feel. And, you know, we try, as they did, we try to fill it with other things. We try to compare it and make ourselves feel better, compare ourselves to other people. But God, the one who created us, the one who made us, he knows what we are worth. And on the cross, he, he proved to us what we are worth. And remember this, your, your success has nothing to do with being less or greater than others, but simply who God created you to be, not who you wish you were. So being who God has created you to be, not you trying to be who God has created someone else to be, and not who I am trying to wish that I could be, but simply discovering in God's word and in my relationship with him who he has created me to be. For we are God's masterpiece, Ephesians chapter 2 says. We are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And while we might be sad for a moment when we understand how we have missed God's standard, And we have lived our lives our own way and apart from God. And that can cause sadness, but it can end in celebration when we understand, as Donnie said, that God did pay the price for us. What starts in sadness when we compare ourselves to God's word ends in celebration because he has created us new. In Christ Jesus, so that we can do all things that He planned for us long ago. And understand this God has a plan for you, and He has a plan for me. And He has had that plan for a long, long time. Long before we were ever born, long before we ever came on the scene. 
He had a plan for you. And part of that plan was to call you to himself so that he could call you his own. So that you would respond to him as God, your father, your daddy, daddy. He even called to the Israelites. He called to them even when they were not looking for God. When they were not calling back to him, he was still calling to them. And that's how he does us today as well. He calls us too. And I believe that he's waiting on us to respond to him. He's waiting on us to respond to him. Isaiah gives us this wonderful picture. He uses words to describe it. But listen to this in Isaiah 44 verse 5. Isaiah says, in the future, some will proudly claim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I'm a descendant of Jacob. That's a way of them being just proud of their heritage and that they belong to God. And then he says this, listen to this. Some will write the Lord's name on their hands and they will take the name of Israel as their own. Listen to this picture that is produced with these words. They will write the Lord's name on their hands. It's a picture of them pledging themselves to serve God. Before all of these witnesses who are gathered, it's them pledging themselves to say, I want you to know I am choosing to follow God. I want you to know. And then in the next chapter of Nehemiah, I'm not going to go there with you, but let me describe it. In Nehemiah chapter 9, all the people gathered, they, they put it in writing that they are going to follow God, that they're going to be committed to him. They put it in writing and they seal it. And they have the priest come by and the priest signed the seal. It's stamped and signed. Everybody wrote it down and they said, it is signed, sealed. We are committed to following God. We have written it down. That was to come in Nehemiah. But you know what? This picture is also a picture. Some will write the Lord's name on their hand. It's a picture of a soldier during this time. A soldier who would mark his hand with the sign of his commander. Saying, this is my leader. This is my boss. I I am following him. He is my commander. And Isaiah is saying, someday the people will mark their hands saying, I belong to the Lord. I am following the Lord. The day will come when we will find our worth. We will find our value and belonging to God. Unashamed 
delighted to let everyone know that I belong to him. Isaiah was saying the day will come when the people will mark their hands. It's just, I can't help but think of how we're reminded that the day will also come when some will mark their hand or their body saying, I am following the Antichrist. But God said, not for you. The day will come that you declare unashamedly that you are choosing to follow Jesus, the Messiah, God. If we are constantly comparing ourselves to someone else, we are not following God. We are not living our lives the way God has created us uniquely to live them. If we're comparing ourselves to others, we're following them. And in a very, very real sense, they have become our God. But God says, I long for the day when you will look to me and my word to find your value. And what is your value? He says, you are my masterpiece. Created new. In Christ Jesus. To do the good things that he has planned for you to do. The way he has created you to do them. This morning our next step is very simple. It just says this. The letter A. When I start comparing myself to others this week. I will read the prayer card, and you're going to get one as you leave today. When I begin comparing myself to the people around me, I'm just simply going to read this prayer card to help put my mind back in the right place, not comparing myself to others, but comparing myself to what God has said about me. Finding my value of being made new in Christ Jesus. I'm going to close this with this prayer. But before I do, perhaps you have never given yourself to God before. And I want you to know this this morning, you can. If you recognize that you have missed God's standard as I have recognized that for myself and so has Donnie. 
if you admit that you've missed God's standard, and if you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross for you, and three days later he rose again so that you could be connected with God. Someone had to pay the price for us missing the standard. And either you will pay the price eternally, or you will allow God to pay that price for you as his plan. If you believe that he really did by dying on the cross for you and three days later raising again, then all you have to do is just admit that to God. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. You admit it to him. You give yourself to him. God, when you died on the cross, you paid a price. And that price purchased something. It purchased me. So I give myself to you. If you've never done that, you can do that this morning, right now, right where you are, right where you're seated, right now, with your eyes wide open, looking up here, you can say, God, I need you. Just in your heart, he's listening. I can't do this on my own. I need you. When you died on the cross, you paid a price for me. You purchased my life, and now I'm giving it to you because you purchased it. And I'm going to follow you. Because you defeated death, you rose three days later. You are God, and I'll follow you. If you did that this morning for the very first time on the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to check that box. It's right under the letters A, B, C, D, E, F. Just check that box. Read it first, and then check that box. For the rest of us, for all of us, our closing prayer this morning as we lead into our time of uh, worship music, our closing prayer is simply the prayer that's on the back of the card that you're going to be receiving today. Will you join me in prayer? Dear God, I do not have to compare myself to others because I am content with who you are making me to be. Today, God, I will trust you to help me know who I am because in knowing who I am, I know what I don't have to be. God, I refuse to compare my performance and appearance and possessions and circumstances with others. You, God, have crafted me. You have given me the ability to learn and created every part of me with the pride of a father. You accept me because, and you love me because I am yours. You have a wonderful purpose for me. God, I can celebrate the good things that you are doing in others because I am loved. I am accepted. I am a child of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am a member of Christ's very own body. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am free from condemnation. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. Because, God, I am your workmanship. Undeserved, but forever grateful. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.